Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, December 8th, 2018. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, the holiday season is upon us. Yay. Jingle bells and Batman smells and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah? Yeah. I'm almost done with my Christmas shopping. Oh, we are doing heathen Christmas this year? We are. Okay. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Jewish heathen. Jewish heathen. Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to be good capitalists and, and buy things uh-huh. that aren't totally necessary. I guess some of them are necessary. Yeah. My Christmas list is actually stuff that's very practical and yes. necessary. Yeah, I'm boring. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I am excited about my my cleaning products, my hygiene products <laughs> that hopefully Santa will be kind enough to bring me. Yeah. So I'm I'm getting old. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, that it is the reason for the season and all that. And uh, it was quite a week. It's going to be hard to wrap our heads around the coherent timeline of where we left off talking about last week. I don't know that we'll be able to do that. Uh, George H.W. Bush, I think, had died the night before the day we podcasted last. And then we were greeted to an entire week of George H.W. Bush a palooza. God. All day, every day. Like, where's the casket? And the casket is here. And the CNN casket is there. The and the train carrying the casket. <laughs> they literally covered the train carrying the casket. Yep, yep. I mean... On like day five, as though nothing else in the world has ever happened except for this man who was really, really old died. He was a president. I'll give him that. But I don't remember this. Of course, this wasn't really the same over the top crazy 24 hour cable news cycle. But back thinking back to when Reagan died, like it was a couple days. Like, hey, Reagan I mean, died. they did the same thing when for McCain. Nixon died. Yeah, they did the same thing for McCain. And that's what I'm talking about. Like we're now in this age of. You know, we gotta. We got three major cable news networks. We gotta. We got the internet. We gotta fill. We gotta fill all this space with something. And a president dying is a big deal. So we are going to just talk be about a it for five week days. long extravaganza. I mean, it was awful. And and to go along with that, what what you have is this thing when somebody who was famous dies. Um, you do this thing where they were. They you you have to saint them basically. Yeah. You have to enter them. You have to anoint them into sainthood. And weren't they the most wonderful person ever? And then it goes off on these ridiculous tangents that he represented a different age. And then and then you have someone like Ross Dowdhat who takes a step further and goes, you know, things were really better when wasps were in control of everything. And it's like, okay. All right. Now, can we just be done, please? Yes. Because everyone has lost their mind yes. over this sub-mediocre... One rich term. guy who died and we talked about it last week he was you know he's he was a fine family man he was a war hero as a president he was pretty god awful uh not in comparison to what a republican is now but that's that's a horribly low bar so i don't grant him that he was a great president just because he was better than trump no no or better than his awful son no <laughs> no. no, no, no. We're not going to get into all the myriad ways he was awful for the war on drugs and for foreign policy and for LGBTQ rights and and the, the women. St- and I mean, don't I mean, don't get us. I would like to just not talk about George 
uh, H.W. Bush literally ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of stupid of us to complain about how <laughs> well, no one will shut up about him and now we're going to go on and on. So anyway. He's that, dead and we're done with it, I think. He's dead and we're done. So that consumed most of the week and then the floodgates opened on the, the Trump-Russia stuff. But before we got to that, there was something you were chomping at the bit to get into. Yeah. So remember a couple months ago when I was apparently screaming into the void because none of y'all listened to me um, about SESTA-FOSTA? The horrible sex trafficking um, bill, the internet bill that passed. Ah, uh, yeah, I do remember that. Vaguely. And I was You're saying have to refresh my all memory. of the things about how it's it's this uh, bill that, on its face, is supposed to protect um, children um, from trafficking. Right. And what it does, and what I was telling you all it was going to do, and what it's doing, um, is actually harm sex workers, but also. Um, it targets tech companies um, by making them liable for any content that's on their website that um, is illegal or, um, you know, like if if uh, Craigslist, for example, like took down their personal section because there was some like one person got trafficked. And so they were like, we can't do it. Anymore. Well, that's exactly what right. they did. Right. And so um, but like, let's say, um, you know, Facebook had a child porn picture on uh, it. Let's say next door is somebody who right. actually did have a sex slave in their basement. Right. And yeah. they like posted something about it on next door. Next door would be liable, right, for that. Which is asinine. Um it's absolutely ridiculous. Um and so not only does it harm sex workers because it makes tech companies because the the way that the law is written is um about like you can't uh it's about exchange of money, but it's also about like um, holding these companies liable. So it targeted sex workers primarily by taking away their ability to um, communicate with each other, communicate with their clients, uh-huh. sort of pushing them back into the streets, which right. is just horrifying. Um, it's actually worse uh, for um, trafficking experts would say. It, it does more harm for traffic victims because it makes it harder for people to uh, find the, the perpetrators of these crimes. It's just a garbage bill, um, but it passed overwhelmingly, I think almost unanimously, because how do you vote against a thing that's supposed to prevent child sex trafficking. <clears throat> so, fast forward a couple months later. <clears throat> I was yelling and screaming back then about how it's going to take away the internet, right? Like, it could potentially affect OkCupid. You might not be able to online date anymore. You might be able to, like, all these things. Mm-hmm. This week, two things happened. Tumblr, which is basically the internet's porn hub... Oh, um, that's why they took, took down their porn. down porn. You're not okay. allowed to have any sexually explicit images on Tumblr anymore. Okay. Number right. two, Facebook went even a step further and said you're not allowed to discuss sex on Facebook. And I'm going to read you two articles. <laughs> you're not allowed to discuss sex oh, on Facebook? Oh, it's so, it's so good. I'm going to start with Facebook. I'm going to start with Tumblr because everybody was freaking the fuck out about Tumblr, and rightly so. Um... <laughs> friend of mine sent me the link when it first happened and uh i was like well what the fuck's tumblr even for i mean why does this even exist then there's no point to having tumblr exist if it's not if you can't have porn on it this doesn't make any sense so um let me just pull up this article really quick um and and people really freaked out about the tumblr thing but they didn't i didn't hear much about the facebook thing um, and it's even more crazy. I didn't hear anything about this Facebook oh, thing. Oh, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And a couple of my friends have already been blocked for 24 hours because of it. Let's start with Tumblr. 
And we're talking about this because it, it is a direct result of this garbage law that passed, but also because sex is political. Um, and if you don't agree with me on that, then you can fucking fight me. <laughs> All right. This is from The Atlantic, uh, written by Stephen Thrasher. Mm-hmm. What Tumblr's b- b- porn ban really means. Earlier this week, the blogging platform Tumblr announced that it would be scrubbing itself of, quote, adult content. The move doesn't just affect how people look at and exchange nude photos on a downtrodden platform. It portends a broad shift in how we experience intimacy and connection online, in how user-generated content is managed, and in how high-tech maintains its stranglehold on the digital commons. The adult content Tumblr will be banning, the company wrote, quote, primarily includes photos, videos, or GIFs that show real-life human genitals or female-presenting nipples, and any content, including photos, videos, GIFs, and illustrations that depict sex acts. Uh-huh. But what the company is really going after is a four-letter word strangely missing from its 538-word announcement, porn. Tumblr may be home to personal blogs, community forums, and foodie photo collections, but pornography makes up a huge part of its reputation. A friend of mine texted me that Tumblr ending porn is like McDonald's ending hamburgers. <laughs> Tumblr's decision was partly motiv- motivated by a lar- large child porn problem. You can see why rather than pay for the expensive work of patrolling the age of people in porn, the company would simply want to overcorrect. But its adult content wasn't strictly limited to porn. The site is, was, a haven for people who might not be able to connect sexually in other ways. As a reader who might be, who might be described as a member of the, quote, cub gay subculture wrote to me, quote, porn and related content on Tumblr was the primary place I saw, I first saw more natural body types for guys. Besides Tumblr's, Besides Tumblr, he said, there hadn't always been a place, any place guys who are average to larger without growing six-packs could admire themselves and other guys who look like them. Okay. Just as black Twitter gave voice and audience to black writers, Tumblr created the space for sexually non-normative people to see and be seen in ways they weren't elsewhere. There were Tumblrs for those who identify as bears, as furries, for HIV-positive folks, bisexual, disabled, and fat— People who were into S&M, pegging, group masturbation. Whatever your body type or fetish, there's probably a Tumblr community for you. And this brings us to two problems that go well beyond Tumblr and the legal but still widely condemned sexual activities featured on it. The first is that Tumblr's adult communities, just like the platform writ large, are driven not just by amateur user-generated uploads, but by the curation efforts of committed volunteers. Come December 17th, when adult content is made private and unshareable, these communities will be effectively shut down. Their collectiveness made digitally homeless. This is the end point of user-generated content on any social media platform. When people create content that has social benefit for them, it makes massive capital benefit for Silicon Valley and Wall Street. Yet the people who generate that wealth have no influence over the digital commons where it resides and no recourse if they're evicted from it. The commons are, after all, privately owned, never really commons to begin with. And here comes a second fact that the Tumblr fiasco exposes. How interwoven our intimate encounters, desires, and relationships, including but not limited to sexual matters, are with digital platforms. Consider how much of your personal and professional life experiences may be integrated with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tinder. Now consider that these companies could swiftly and legitimately shut their platform down and sell all of your images and words for a trillion dollars, and you would get no money and have no legal recourse. Why is this so broadly dangerous? Because it's not easy to opt out of using digital platforms, which are becoming as important as physical roads for human interaction. Mm. 
Professional, commercial, and even the sexual interactions that literally determine life itself are mediated through these privately controlled communication networks. And as the power of these networks is consolidated, the people who've built them up, but who are deemed a threat to maximum profit, even as collateral damage in a purge of illegal material, will be jettisoned. For there is a larger disturbing trend, as the New York Times Magazine writer Jenna Wortham put it, indicative of troubling, invisible, heteronormative morality clauses on the web that we are all likely to enable and or are complicit in enabling. In March, Craigslist closed its adult personal section in response to um, that would hold platforms criminally responsible for any sex work facilitated through them. Facebook's also rolled out a restrictive new community standards, which aims to draw the line when content facilitates, encourages, or coordinates sexual encounters between adults, dissuade people from discussing certain sexual preferences or positions, and forbid sexualized slang or sexualized language. (laughs) What does that mean? uh, We're going to get into that in a minute. Using social media intimately in our life hasn't been all bad. Indeed, as a recent scientific article by Oliver Hameson on some 240 Tumblr gender transition blogs showed, social media can play an important role in adding complexity to people's experience managing changing identities during life transitions. In fact, female presenting nipples will be allowed under Tumblr's new adult content ban if they are shown, quote, in connection with breastfeeding, birth, or afterbirth moments, oh. and health-related situations, such as post-mastectomy or gender confirmation surgery. Yeah, uh, Radiolab did a whole thing on Facebook and nipples. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Tumblr will also allow nudity related to political or newsworthy speech and nudity found in art. <laughs> but what counts yeah. as female presenting, or male presenting, or political, or art? What counts as health-related? What expressions of gender are acceptable or unacceptable? These are profound and debatable questions. The Tumblr of the AIDS activist group Act Up New York wrote that a post of clothed people wearing silence equals death shirts had been flagged a while ago. Mm -hmm. Some LGBTQ Tumblr users have reported that content as queerly innocent in nature as a line drawing of two boys hugging is being flagged. They're afraid such content may be removed, which has happened on other platforms before. In a blog post, Tumblr CEO Jeff D'Onofrio acknowledged that, quote, filtering this type of content is not simple at scale. We won't always get this right, especially in the beginning, but we're determined to make your experience a positive one. Well, thanks, Jeff. (laughs) But the Tumblr adult content purge reveals the enormous cultural authority, financial extraction, and what Michel Foucault called biopower that tech companies wield over our life. As intimate interactions are ever more mediated by tech giants, that power will only increase, and more and more of our humanity is bound to be mediated through content moderation. That moderation is subjective, culturally specific, and utterly political, and Silicon Valley doesn't have a sterling track record of getting it right. So right, who decides what's art? Who decides what's acceptable political speech, not acceptable political nudity? Um, who, who decides what's health-related, what's female-presenting, what's not female? I mean... It's a fucking nightmare censorship show, and it's yeah. going to impact marginalized communities and their ability to communicate with each other. It's just, it's just a fucking disaster. I highly suggest you listen to the Radio Lab episode. I forget what it's called, but it was about, it was about ten years ago. Now this controversy started when Facebook started banning pictures of women who were breastfeeding, mm-hmm. pictures of them breastfeeding, and it led to this whole thing you're talking about. Uh, and they and it went back and forth, and it was very controversial. And they had to figure out what is art, what is socially acceptable, what is culturally appropriate. If it's like a different and, culture in right. Africa, where, where young women breastfeed their goats in their herd, it's like it's all this stuff. It was, and people would push the line, and it, yeah. It, 
I mean, when people were like, it's so silly, this whole free the nipple argument, right, that we've been yelling about, it's not silly. No. It has major to censor a part of my body that just exists because I exist as a woman in the world. To say that I'm not allowed to show a part of my body because I'm a woman, but you are allowed to because you're a man. And let's talk right? about the hypocrisy of all this for a second, right? Because this is all under the guise of protecting the children, right? Yes. Yet these are the same people who, and we'll get to this story too, uh, let Jeffrey Epstein walk who is a a serial child rapist, and Alan Dershowitz, who may have been involved in it, is still, his face is still popping up on all the cable news shows, and Alex Azar, who helped cook up the sweetheart deal for Jeffrey Epstein, uh, is in the White House cabinet and seems to have no pressure for him to resign, and so they don't really care about that. No. They don't care at all about it. No, and for them, these consequences were not unintended. Yeah. They were intended consequences. Yeah, yeah. We're going to police people's bodies and women's specifically's bodies and sexuality by threatening companies with li- criminal and civil liability for something that they have no control over. And everyone knows they have no control over it. And the only way to have control over it is to ban it. Yeah. You still have a lot of people in government who, who hate porn and want to outlaw it and <laughs> for whatever bizarre reasons. Yeah, you know, like I mean, there. This is a split in the feminist community, and it always has been, right? Whether porn is acceptable or not acceptable. Well, a lot of or, a lot of it is degrading for sure. But the the whole point is they. It, it's not about that. The people who are trying to ban it, it has nothing to do with that. It it has to do with. They see the the female naked body, and sex itself as being obscene. Correct. Just, yes. Yeah. Just my existing in the body I was born in. Your your breast is an obscene thing. Yes. My whole <laughs> body is an obscene your thing. Your whole body is, is, is a walking obscenity. I'm, an, I'm a walking obscenity. And, and, and if you were to take a picture and say, hey, here's my body, internet, that would be obscenity. That would be an obscenity, correct. A, according to these people. Literally just a picture of my body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Right. So, it gets worse. Uh... Facebook, and this has not been talked about, and it's really, really fucked up, and this is even more. Okay. This is from uh, the EFF. Facebook's sexual solicitation policy is a honeypot for trolls by Elliot Harmon. Oh, boy. Yep. I bet. Facebook just quietly adopted a policy that could push thousands of innocent people off the platform. The new, quote, sexual solicitation rules forbid pornography and other explicit sexual content, which was already functionally banned under a different statute, But they don't stop there. They also ban implicit sexual solicitation, including the use of sexual slang, the solicitation of nude images, discussion of sexual partner preference, and even expressing an interest in sex. That is not an exaggeration. The new policy bars, quote, vague, suggestive statements such as looking for a good time tonight. It wouldn't be a stretch to think asking Netflix and chill could run afoul of this policy. The new rules come with a baffling justification, seemingly blurring the line between sexual exploitation and plain old doing it. This is from Facebook. People use Facebook to discuss and draw attention to sexual violence and exploitation. We recognize the importance of and want to allow for this discussion. We draw the line, however, when content facilitates, encourages, or coordinates sexual encounters between adults. Why? Why, right? Here we go. In other words, discussion of sexual exploitation is allowed, but discussion of consensual adult sex is taboo. 
That's a classic censorship model. Speech about sexuality being permitted only when sex is presented as dangerous and shameful. It's especially concerning since healthy, non-obscene discussion about sex, even about enjoying or wanting to have sex, has been a component of online communities for as long as the internet has existed, yeah, and they, for has for almost as long been the target of government censorship efforts. You know, Facebook are, are, are idiots, and they are horribly corrupt, and... It, it, we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg of all their bullshit shenanigans over the last couple of years. I know, but I'm not done with this. I, I know, but I just wanted to interrupt and say, like, they're going to run into some First Amendment problems with this. I think I so, think. but they're also, per the other article, it's a private company. We don't really have any rights to say something on a private company's platform. It's not really there. It's not really censorship because it's not the government doing it. Except it is, of course, it, a direct but, result of government. Right, action. but I think it kind of is. Is my point, and I think. A, a well, good, I think it'll be a really interesting legal battle. Right, a good civil rights attorney, I think, can make that link pretty <clears throat> uh, substantially. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Until now, Facebook has been a particularly important place for groups who aren't well represented in mass media to discuss their sexual identities and practices. At very least, users should get the final say about whether they want to see such speech in their timelines. Overly restrictive rules attacked trolls. Is Facebook now a sex-free zone? Should we be afraid of meeting potential partners on the platform or even disclosing our sexual orientation? Maybe not. For many users, life on Facebook might continue as it always had. But therein lies the problem. The new rules put a substantial portion of Facebook users in danger of violation. Fundamentally, that's not how platform moderation policies should work. With such broadly sweeping rules, online trolls can take advantage of reporting mechanisms to punish groups they don't like. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Combined with opaque and one-sided flagging and reporting systems, overly restrictive rules can incentivize abuse from bullies and other bad actors. It's not just individual trolls either. State actors have systematically abused Facebook's flagging process to censor political enemies. Mm -hmm. With these new rules, organizing that type of attack just became a lot easier. A few reports can drag a user into Facebook's labyrinthine enforcement regime, which can result in having a group page deactivated or even being banned from Facebook entirely. This process gives the user no meaningful opportunity to appeal a bad decision. Given the rules' focus on sexual interests and activities, it's easy to imagine who would be the easiest targets. Sex workers, including those who work lawfully, members of the LGBTQ community, and others who congregate online to discuss issues relating to sex. What makes the policy so dangerous to those communities is that it forbids the very thing they gather online to discuss. Even before the recent changes at Facebook and Tumblr, we'd seen trolls exploit similar policies to target the LGBT community and censor sexual health resources. Entire health, or I'm sorry, entire harassment campaigns have organized to use payment processors as reporting systems to cut off sex workers' income. When online platforms adopt moderation policies and reporting processes, it's essential that they consider how those policies and systems might be weaponized against marginalized groups. A recent Verge article quotes a Facebook representative as saying that people sharing sensitive information in private Facebook groups will be safe, since Facebook relies on reports from users. If there are no tattletales in your group, the reasoning goes, then you can speak freely without fear of punishment. Uh -huh. But that assurance rings hollow. In today's world of online bullying and brigading, there's no question of if your private group will be infiltrated by the trolls, it's when. And then they talk about SESTA-FOSTA and how absolutely... Um, it's why, <laughs> again. <laughs> um, this, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I think Facebook's going to have to back off that a bit, you know. I, and, and they've I, and, and we've been through this before. Again, I urge everybody to listen to that episode. They, they've they've done this before, where they've overreacted, 
to something they're trying to police and then they try to walk it back and they find a middle ground and but Facebook's in a lot of trouble and, yeah. and people don't realize that and yeah. it, there may be reticence here to to impose uh, restrictions on them or penalties but in the UK they're and in Europe they're facing a lot of trouble for their shenanigans yeah uh, for their involvement with Cambridge Analytica for some of the crap they've done to spread anti-Semitic bullshit to help their PR. It's, they're pretty awful and disgusting. And I'm torn the fact I still use them because, like you said, they've sort of become a necessity for the, the music I do and the music business I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like there's no other way to reach my audience. Right. Uh, which sucks. And I'm actively looking for ways around that. And every time somebody tries to start a, you know, a, a challenge, a new whatever, it, it, it falls apart for various reasons. And they still have the market cornered. But, yeah, I've had just enough of, uh, enough of Facebook. <laughs> they really suck ass. I know, but it's also um, easy to say that. You don't have to have it. Um, That's right. But for, I think, a lot of people... These social media platforms, you know, if you're a queer kid in some rural part of Arkansas, this is your connection. This is to your the connection world. to people that are like you. Yeah. This is your connection to any kind of, you know, decency and humanity and, and Tumblr and, and Facebook. Yeah. And these these things matter okay to Cupid. some of these marginalized groups and individuals. And I think just saying, well, fuck it, I'm just going to leave Facebook. It's like, okay, well, that's good for you. But I think that the larger question is whether or not we should do something about this, that mm-hmm. this is not something that they should be able to do or allowed to do. And that it's, it's easy to say Facebook is stupid and who cares, but I think, I don't think that that's, I think that's not true for a lot of people. And I think that, I think we have to be really careful about that because I, I think it is important for a lot of people. And I think it's more than just like sharing memes, you know, and like, your gross uncle saying something racist and then well, like getting that's in a fight thing, online, right? right? Like, Facebook has become the haven for conservative baby boomers, which is just spreading nonsense nonstop that is usually generated by Russian trolls. Right. I don't see any of that. Um, well, no, because that's not in your friends. Yeah. We have our closed circle of Yeah. My of Facebook people. is locked down. Yeah. And we don't <laughs> pay attention to what our parents are doing on there. If my parents are not even on well, there. Well, my, mine are. <laughs> And some of my friends' parents are, and I, I avoid those worlds. But yeah, I just don't have those people in my don't. life circle. Yeah. I just don't. I don't have any of that on mine, so I don't see any of that. But yeah, but I think it is important, and I think that it's also really. Um, it's not just about Facebook and Tumblr. I think what it speaks to is like the moving backwards in this like morality and sort of like moralization and heteronormative um, Christian purity bullshit Uh around sex in this country, which we've been fighting for a long time, but I feel like since like the 60s and 70s, we've been doing a pretty good job of of pushing forward. Um, We had some setbacks in the 80s, obviously, when because there was all this progress, right? Then we had this pushback and so we've been, but we've been fighting, we've been winning for a while, right? Like we've been... Uh, we've been doing a pretty good job of and, like, and then in the last five ten years, the the real advancement has been has come in yeah. LGBTQ 
uh, rights and, and awareness and people accepting that. And now there's naturally there's a big pushback again. Right. And this is part of that. I, I would think say. so. I think so. Um, it's just they're getting better at cloaking it. So it doesn't seem like it's sex shaming. It seems like it's protecting children from trafficking, right? Yes. Always um, about protecting the children. Because back in the 80s, they did not even try to cloak it. It was just like gays are gross and evil and they caused AIDS and, do you, and do you know women the, are disgusting and all you're good for is fucking babies and right. that's it. And, and do you know the disgusting things that gay people do, which is of course the same thing straight people do. Right, exactly. But right? Remember that? Yeah. God. Um, like yeah. gay people invented blowjobs and scad and yeah. <laughs> yeah, like anal and yeah, like no, yeah, straight yeah. people have never no, ever. No, straight people have nothing to do with that, right? God, poor straight men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. So, but I do think it's alarming. I think it's a, a part of a, a a trend that I am very concerned about. Yeah. And I mean, even like with the rise of like Dan Savage and sort of how he became sort of mainstream, at least marginally mainstream oh, for a while there. Um, yeah. And then, and then we see this, and I just uh, it worries me. It worries me. Um, and I think oh, so much of the progress for the younger generation, and how just like good and woke and just like amazing they are right like around gender and around sex and around sexuality and like um just how intersectional they are well they're not gonna, a lot well, they're of not going to stand for this is a lot of that came from being able to talk to their peers all across the world about this stuff yeah, definitely and like they were able to develop this language and this like this sort of ethic this this sense of this ethic around these issues which doesn't happen if you keep them in a vacuum you know in like Poughkeepsie or whatever and there's like maybe one other queer kid but they don't even know they're queer and they don't know how to talk about it and all they hear all day long all the messages that they have all day long are just the adults in their lives and their preacher and like they don't they don't have that opportunity yeah. and I think part of the Poughkeepsie's reason Poughkeepsie's in New York is probably uh, like the suburbs of Memphis Tennessee or better whatever you, it doesn't even matter even that even if you live in San Francisco yeah you still don't have the access to kids of your generation or a little older or a little younger that are like you and like minded and that you can bounce ideas back and forth around and and they really have done that over the last few years that I've seen and it really has been effective in talking about uh gender you know non-binary folks and like just a lot of the, the language that the larger culture has started to take on i think came out of this generation of kids talking to each other on the internet and limiting that i think is really dangerous well, that's a question right like let's say a kid posts online or what are our peers posts online like i prefer to to date or sleep with non-binary people like is that flagged then yes that's crazy that's okay good luck with that facebook I, I don't think you're gonna be able to realistically police that i mean i don't know unless the plan but is to make it a boomer only platform <laughs> and just wipe out you know a, a complete cohort but that's the point is maybe they don't flag that Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Yeah. But it, this is all based on user reports, right? They're not going through the content. It's not like Tumblr. It's just user reports. This is something that should be flagged. So I think the point of the article was that's really, really dangerous because then I don't like gay people. So I'm going to go through and flag every single gay person, everything they say on this platform. And not just one guy, but like the fucking Heritage Foundation gets a bunch of kids or a bunch of adults or whoever, right? Hires uh -huh. a bunch of people to go through and just flag all the gay content on Facebook over and over and over and over and over again. And then you just wipe gay people off Facebook. Yeah. Right? Sure. Uh, you, why what why not? Why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you, you at you least do that? try? Right. Why wouldn't you do that? Right? 
Yeah. Some man maniverse people decide they don't like feminists, so they just go and they <laughs> tag every post by every feminist that they can possibly find and say that it's sexual in nature in some way. Right. But then somebody's got to review that and determine it. But uh, yeah, when it's, the language is that broad. It, right. And if enough people flag one thing, they're going to remove it. Well, this is what Twitter is dealing with now, right? Is that the, the trolls are abusing the you know, the guidelines of abuse and, and, and then because the right wingers complain about free speech, you get a lot of these literal Nazis are able to say horrible things and they're fine. And then just make some sort of off color joke and you get banned and, and Twitter's trying to fix that now. Um, they don't do, they're very horribly understaffed and a lot of it is an algorithm that doesn't really understand nuance right. <laughs> or obviously. So that's the problem they're, they're having there. Yeah, it's a fucking mess, and I'm glad you brought that up, and it's really interesting, and we'll see what happens. I I, I don't think this is going to work the way Facebook hopes it's going to work. How do they hope it's going to work? That's my question. What's the point? I, I think they hope to get rid of the, the real overt stuff that is, like, obviously uh, somebody trying to... Now, now here's the funny part of, of this, right, is that I get at least three or four a week bogus friend requests from, you know, it's not even a cam model. It's somebody who's tr trying to sell a porn subscription or something like that, mm -hmm. like a quote friend request. And I just delete them. And, and I think it's, they kind of want to try to root that out, but they've made the language so broad. They literally said they don't want people discussing consensual adult relationships. Yeah. But what, it, why? Does that mean I'm not allowed to be like in a relationship with? I, no, being no, in a relationship it, I, I, with someone on Facebook assumes we might have sex at some point. No, no, I think so it, that's it's, illegal. it's a misguided attempt to get rid of the porn bots and the spam bots and the people who maybe are just looking to use it as a platform for, you know, a, a sex workers platform or something like. Well, that. Where else the fuck are sex workers supposed to go now? No, well, that's a different different. Uh, well, it's not different, but I, I think the unintended consequences are, like you said, if you're just a person, a Facebook user who wants to talk about their sex life <laughs> and, and you're going to get caught up in that too, perhaps. But um, I, I, I don't think any of this is going to work is my point. Well, what do you mean work? I think it's just going to be a goddamn mess of, uh, like you said, arbitrary flagging of, of people uh, with an agenda people they don't like and then there's going to be backlash against that and and there could be counter flagging and then you know it's going to be a mess yeah i mean and, and facebook has already got enough bad press to to start with yeah so i, I don't know but in any event it's troubling interesting story i'm glad you brought it up and we'll keep an eye on where it goes yeah and keep an eye on all of the other unintended or intended consequences of sesta fosta it was maybe one of the worst bills past that nobody talks about and it's going to have massive consequences for the internet and for people um particularly marginalized people before we get to the latest trump russia stuff which i think will be in the second half uh, i want to get back to uh, the story that broke and i don't know if we were able to touch on it in our last episode because it might have been earlier this week but the jeffrey epstein uh huge story that was it wasn't broke because we, we we knew about it forever but it was loaded condensed and witnesses were interviewed or the victims were interviewed and it was this huge massive sprawling story that came out in the Herald about a week ago the Miami Herald 
Um, yeah, that was definitely this week. Um, and, 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 and we people, didn't talk about it. Okay, and people keep trying to bring it up, especially in the quote, liberal media, and then it keeps just getting washed out by all the crazy Trump Russia shit that's so, happening and George H.W. Bush dying. And Right. I didn't have an opportunity to read the whole thing, and I'm not super familiar with it. So if you would like to just give us a quick rundown of what exactly. Okay. Jeffrey Epstein is a South Florida based, and of course he's South Florida based, <laughs> um, hedge fund guy. Billionaire was also a big, big old star fucker. He 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 was very into rubbing elbows with very important, um, you know, influential people. Uh, he was uh, my my guess a really really good friend of Trump and spent a lot of time at Mar-a-Lago. But not just Trump, also Bill Clinton and also Alan Dershowitz and lots of other people. Very uh, high up important people in politics. Uh, mostly Republicans, few Democrats. Well, I mean, back when he was with Trump, who knows what Trump was? But um, right. you know, uh, he was this guy, and it turns out that he had this ongoing, long-running sex ring of uh, a network of people who would recruit underage girls, uh, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, uh, for for him to basically have sex with at his at his whim. Okay. Um, did he also traffic them, or did he just is a child yeah, molester? He also trafficked them for his rich friends and dignitaries. Is this connected and, to the accusation that President Trump raped an eleven-year-old girl in a hotel room? I'm gonna get to that. Okay. Uh, I, I think she she said she was twelve at the time. Um, but is this Epstein the one that got her for him, or no? Most likely, but she accused both Epstein and Trump of participating in that. Okay. And and I'm going to get to that because it's, it's interesting, right? Um, but anyway, holding off for that for a second, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. So Epstein eventually got busted for – and he did this for years. And there were hundreds and hundreds of these uh, underage – these girls, these young girls, children. junior high, high school girls, mm-hmm. children, yeah, involved uh, in this. And he finally got busted, and his legal team worked with the Florida, uh, some uh, Florida state attorney at the time, a guy named Alex Azar, okay, to basically get an absolute joke of a sentence. It was I, I God, I want to say it was like a year, and he got work release right away, which you're not supposed to have in Florida if you're a sex offender. And so he basically just slept in prison and it was a minimum. Did, it, it was, was it like, like a, he flipped on what? Who? He's the leader mm, of it, right? So who, what? No, there was no, no, no. It's not like deal. It's not like he. No. And, and it gets, it gets much, much worse as part of the, the quote deal. Uh, any uh, co-conspirators or other people who were involved in it were not to be named and not to be prosecuted. What? Yeah. Yeah, that that that's so just the, rich white dudes protecting rich white dudes in Florida. Yeah, okay. pedophiles. Pedophiles. Not just rich white dudes, but rich white pedophile dudes in Florida. And we don't know who's on that list. Is it Trump? Is it Bill Clinton? Is it other celebrities? Is it other politicians? Is it people in law enforcement? We Is don't it know. The DA that he was working with. We don't know. But here's the important points. That same uh, one of his attorneys, of course, was Alan Dershowitz. And Alan Dershowitz is also named by one of his victims as him having sex with when she was just 16. And he was, God know how, how old, 70 probably, 20 it years ago, matter, you know, right? whatever. She's 16? 
uh, he has sort of evaded it and not wanted to talk about it. And, and the cable news shows still have him on as if nothing happened and nobody cares. Um, you know, and this all broke within the last week. Uh, and yeah, we, we don't well, know. This did not name. break in the last week. I thought this was an old. The stuff against Dershowitz, I think, is pretty new. Oh. But I'm not okay. sure about that. But anyway, no, we, 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 like, bits and pieces we knew about this with Epstein for a long time. But the Miami Herald just recently did a really good job of condensing everything, getting hours and hours and hours of interviews. And here's the thing. The prosecutors did not consult the victims when they made this deal. Of course and not. <laughs> they made the sentence. Of course not. So they're pissed. When, when would, did he do his work release time? What year are we talking about? Oh. I thought this was like the 90s or something. No, it was the early to mid-2000s, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. So this is recent. Yeah, this is pretty recent. Okay. Um, now I, now I want to go back to that Trump story that you had brought up because it, it's really interesting. Because uh, this, this young girl had claimed at the age of 12, she was one of these, uh, I, I believe she said, you know, she was one of these people that Epstein had hired or groomed. And that Epstein and Trafficked. Donald Trump forcibly had sex with her against her will. And there was a witness. And it was interesting she named Epstein back then because we knew this about Epstein. And we knew Epstein had pled guilty to this and then got this ridiculous sweetheart deal. Um, but now that we know everything we know about Epstein and the way it all got hushed up and he got this sweetheart deal, it seems a lot more plausible now. I mean, it always seemed plausible. It, it always it? seemed plausible, but now, like, we have a timeline and a history that matches up with this shit like this happening. And the fact that she mentions Epstein. Yeah. Like, and and that, you know, I think the media and, and most people were so shocked and horrified by that, they didn't know what to do with it. Because Trump had already been elected president at that point. And... Uh, or I th- did it come out when he was elected? Or before? I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. It might have been after he got the nomination. It but- really was when it when the story broke, if you can call it that. It really was treated as this sort of like, oh, there's this girl who's saying some shit. But you know, and that was it. Like no, nobody uh, took it seriously. Some nobody people took it started seriously. to, but then ultimately she backed off and said, I'm not going to go through with it. I, I can't. I'm not going to go through a trial because a judge had allowed it to go forward. It was a civil case. And the judge had allowed it to go forward. And we were right, we were about to get to discovery. And, and she said, I'm in fear of my life and I can't go on the stand and, and do this, which is totally understandable. And that's it. It died. It went away completely. Um, somebody needs to revisit that. And somebody needs to revisit this whole Epstein thing. And uh, Ben Sass, to his credit, one of these Republicans that talks a good game and never does anything, has been very vocal in the past few days about calling for a new investigation into into all that. So we'll see if anything comes of that. We'll see if anything comes against the uh, allegations against Dershowitz. Uh, I, I want to know who else is responsible for this. And hey, if, if a Bill Clinton gets ensnared in this, oh well. Right. If another sitting, sitting Democratic, I'm not, and I have, I'm not saying any are, and I have no idea who's on that list. But if that's the case, too bad. Get the fuck out. Go to jail. I am not. I'm not protecting any man who rapes children. I don't give a shit what else you've done in your life. No. None of it is relevant. Or what party you're in. No. Who you know and what that means politically. No, we're, we're not We're not playing these games. And I hope, as Democrats, none are. And, and I hope... I feel like we have a decent track record on that front, with the exception of Clinton. 
Well, it, I, I fear these things, right? Like I, I fear a smoky back room somewhere and someone, a Democratic operative is like, oh, they're <clears> digging into the Epstein thing. Sure, that's going to get some Republicans in trouble, but oh, we better not dig too deep because yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. dig, dig, blow the fucking lid off. And I'm not saying... I don't give a shit how many powerful men get taken. Why would I care? I don't give a shit how many powerful men get taken down by that list. I want all of them taken down. I don't give a shit if they're my best friend. Yeah. Take them the fuck out. Yep. Yeah, so I I don't know what's going to come of that, but it it is unfortunate every time that story seems to get a little more traction, you know, some other shit happens in Washington. It's just (laughs) everything else in the world just gets swamped by the chaos in, in D.C. right now. Yeah. And I understand that. Well, and I mean, I can understand, you know, I, it, it's not surprising to me in any way that um, this keeps getting hushed up, that it was hushed up in the first place, that it keeps getting overshadowed, that it's not being paid attention to. It's not surprising to me in any way because God knows, right? Like the whole Me Too movement is all about average everyday people and how they've been affected. And also then like Time's Up's about like, you know, industries that have harmed women. But Uh I think there's a misunderstanding amongst the general public of how pervasive um, child sex trafficking is in this country, particularly among rich white men. Um, And and across, you know, all kinds of political lines. And it really just has to do with, like, being a rich dude. Well, here's the connection Um, to, to Trump here and now. Alex Azar who was the state attorney who helped uh, sign off on this bullshit deal with Epstein. So he basically didn't do any time or get in really any legitimate trouble, uh, is now the Secretary of Labor under Trump. And I have not heard a peep in this week about his job being in jeopardy. And how is that possible? How is that possible? How, how, How are we saying that's okay? It's absolutely not okay, and I know your outrage meter has burst a long time ago, and 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 we're 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 chasing so many, we're going down so many rabbit holes with these awful people. But this is one we can't take our eye off of. We are talking about children being systematically trafficked and raped, right? Yeah. And and we're talking about these companies that are supposedly doing all these things to prevent this. Well, here it is in front of our faces, and. One of the main perpetrators of this is is sitting as the Secretary of Labor, and apparently his job security is just fine. This is not – it's not right. good enough. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. Right. And we can't just be like, ooh, I don't have time to get involved in that one. You know, I'm, I'm so or, emotionally – oh, nothing matters. I'm so emotionally invested in, in getting Trump on the Russia stuff or – you know, this or that or, or criminal justice reform or like all the different things. It's like this is one you can't just put to the side and hope for the best. I agreed. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 one of those stories that is almost too awful to believe. And so the press doesn't know what to do with it. And so they just don't do anything with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That happens. That, that does. does. Happen. It does. I mean, it does. Or they're like, just, okay, just read the story. I can't even, it's like, no, you got to do some digging too. You got Everybody needs to be doing some digging. There, there are more loose ends to follow up on. And it's not just that, like maybe the Miami Herald did the job. Now everybody else needs to talk about that story. 
and interview those same witnesses on mm-hmm. the air and everybody needs to be talking about it so that public outrage can reach a level where somebody does fucking something. Yeah. You know? And credit to Ben Sass, who's usually all talk and no nothing else. If 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 he wants if he wants to turn a blind eye to Trump Russia and the tariffs and everything else, but just, you know, die on this hill, then fine, because this is a worthy hill to die on. I'd have mad respect for him for yeah. that. And so far, that's the way he's acting. And if a couple more Republican senators were to jump in and do that, then we might actually get somewhere. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we have the <laughs> trove of Trump-Russia chaos to, to d- help digest for you. I know that's yeah. why you tune in. So <laughs> the, the stuff you actually want to hear is coming up in the second half. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. And before we jump into all the uh, Trump-Russia stuff from yesterday and Thursday, and uh, Rachel's got something else for you. I do. Uh, something that really fucking pissed me off that we should talk about. Um, I'm just going to read this article and then we're going to talk about the fucking horror. I think we'll probably break in with comments, but... The title of the article is New Mexico teacher just got fired for chopping off a Native American student's sacred braids. Uh, was this, I saw the crazy teacher in California who went nuts and tried to cut like all her students' hair while she was screaming the national anthem. Is this the same thing no. or is this a different crazy teacher? It's a different crazy teacher. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this is an article from the Washington Press um, by Vinnie Longobardo. Uh, it's not like Native Americans haven't suffered enough. They had their land stolen by a bunch of unauthorized immigrants who didn't speak their language and purposefully infected them with smallpox by giving them plague blankets that killed millions. They were driven off their native territories and herded into small, isolated reservations while the natural resources that they stewarded were pillaged by the marauding invaders who didn't respect the sacredness of the land like they did. To this day, Native Americans remain second-class citizens in their own land, as the recent voter ID debacle in North Dakota so credibly demonstrates. However, perhaps the worst humiliation that Native Americans face today in the United States is their status as victims of racism in the land they once had to themselves. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. That such racism still exists was amply demonstrated by a New Mexico high school teacher who was ousted from her job after two separate incidents involving her Native American students on Halloween, according to a report by Albuquerque's KRQE. Mary Easton was teaching language arts at Cibola High School in Albuquerque Mm. that day and decided to dress up as Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen of New Orleans, which is a black person. (laughs) Yeah, Um, a little cultural appropriation to start mm -hmm, off with. And give her class an oral quiz. The reward for a correct answer would be a marshmallow, but anyone answering incorrectly got a serving of organic dog food. Uh, if that alone wasn't deserving enough of censure, weird. Easton's comments and behavior during the quiz certainly sealed her fate. 
Mackenzie Johnson, a Native American junior in the class, told the school district board what happened when Easton came up to her desk and saw the fake blood that she had painted on her face for the costumed holiday. Quote, when she called on me, she asked, now what are you supposed to be, a bloody Indian? What? Yeah. Johnson told the school board at a meeting where students and their parents protested the teacher's racist behavior. The New Mexico branch of the ACLU describes another incident that happened during the same class in their report on the incident. At one point during the class, Miss Easton approached another female Native American student with a box cutter. The young woman had long hair combed into two braids. Miss Easton asked student two if she liked her braids. The student responded in the affirmative. Miss Easton then suggested that she was going to cut student two's hair with the box cutter. Quote, no one thought she was serious. The teacher proceeded to put the box cutter down and exchanged it for a pair of scissors, which she used to cut approximately three inches of student two's hair from her head and then sprinkled the hair on the desk in front of her. <laughs> what? Okay. Leon Howard, the legal director of ACLU of New Mexico, described the cutting of Native Americans of the Native students' hair as unconscionable. Quote, anyone with even an iota of cultural awareness knows that in Native American culture, hair is sacred, particularly for women. Beyond that, the cruel implications of Miss Easton's actions harken back to an era of Native American boarding schools when the cutting of Native students' hair was a form of punishment inflicted by schoolmasters in a racist attempt to strip children of their heritage and culture. Mm -hmm. Initially, school district officials stonewalled the Native protesters, putting Easton on paid leave while they investigated her actions. But student protests and Navajo Nation officials Critical comments eventually forced their hands and led to Easton's termination. That's good. According to the Washington Post, quote, in early November, students began protesting outside Cibola High School, holding signs that read, braids are beauty and you can't cut my culture, according to the Albuquerque Journal. The incident also drew sharp words from the president of the Navajo Nation, who said he stood with the students and called for top to bottom cultural sensitivity training in the district. Quote, our native youth should not have to endure this kind of behavior, especially in the classroom, Navajo Nation President Russell Bagai said in a statement. We will hold the teacher, the school, and the district accountable for these actions, and we demand recourse. Parents of native students say that Easton's departure from the school was a short-term win, but that she ultimately, but they would ultimately like to see uh, district-wide changes, including a ban on culturally appropriate address. Okay, so <clears throat> this is horrifying on every possible front, but I think my... Um, why is she not being charged with assault? Yeah, that what it, what, I was going to Let's have cultural sensitivity too. training and we, she gets fired. She assaulted this person, this student in her classroom for yeah. seemingly, there is, I can't fathom a justifiable reason for going over to one of your students, cutting their hair and sprinkling on the desk in front of them. What is the fucking... What is that? You know, what's weird is I was just alluding to this, but just the other day it was caught on camera with this crazy uh, lady in California was screaming the, the national anthem and trying to cut her student's hair in, in the classroom and nobody knows why and they got it on film. And I think she's on leave now while they figure out what the hell. I, I don't know what's going on with the white lady teachers. I mean, um, I like <laughs> the historical significance of cutting a native woman's braids off um yeah is horrifying in this context but this is a, a high school in albuquerque and you're just like cutting your students hair and sprinkling it on. what is that's assault she you, should be charged you know the racism against native people is is one of the 
most it's it's the one that's always been the hardest to wrap my head around. I mean, racism is racism, and you know it's gross in any way, shape, or form. But there's sort of like an extra, just it it it, it is extra infuriating to me. Me too. Um, I I think (laughs) it's just like I don't get it. I don't get it. But I also. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it's to add insult to injury, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some sort of like white defensiveness that goes into it because when you have native people in front of you, and I spend a lot of time with native people, and um, it is sort of like you, there's no way to not acknowledge what has been done to these people, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no way to not have that be a thing that you have to critically think about and and remember and like really like do some soul searching about. And the genocide of this of this population which is what it was, a genocide, um which continues in some ways, mm-hmm. um is so horrific that you know, maybe it's something to do with that, maybe it's like I just can't I don't want you to be around because then I have to remember what my people did to your people uh, and what we're yeah. continuing to do and what, like, I don't know. It's just white supremacy really is probably more likely. I think so. You know, here's a w- culture that's weird or alien to me and that's icky and I want everybody to be white and homogenous. And... But isn't there an extra layer of, like, it's the same thing with, like, um, racism against black people. Like... I think it's that's more complicated even because of reasons. But I think um, well, I think just that, having that's to like more fear based acknowledge like well, that's because there was like a really great campaign of fear that did that doesn't really exist with the native population um, uh, right. in a modern it, it, sense, right? It, it's like, been a few years since Custer's Last Stand, yeah, right. And 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 there wasn't really like this um, fear campaign for native people post like the wars. Like, as though there has been no. in the black community, like, yeah. you know, with like, they're dangerous and they're mm-hmm. thugs and criminals and, you know, all that. We sort of just murdered most of them and then stuck them in rural areas and just forgot about them, right? And then they figured out how to take our money because we're gambling addicts, which is right. more power to them. Right. Great. Right. But they're also like incredibly impoverished and like yes. the rate of alcoholism and is, suicide yes, and yes. unemployment and. All the things on the reservation yeah, it's are not absolutely like that. atrocious. All, all of the native, most Native Americans are very disadvantaged. Yes, I would say that that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, I just um, I think her being fired is obviously appropriate, but I would also like to see criminal charges filed against her for assault um, and abuse of authority. Yeah, you know. And is that like part of? Is that in the student or the teacher code of conduct for appropriate punishments? Is cutting people's hair off? I'm quite sure it's. I'm not. quite sure it's not. So, what was the investigation about? I mean, uh, I just the whole thing is just it's bizarre and it's horrifying and it must have been very you, traumatizing. You never put your hands on a student in any capacity is pretty much the 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 hard and fast rule. And it doesn't even seem that this student did anything to provoke this, right? It's not no, like they were having a fight. It was just like this crazy person. Neither did it's it's weird. I don't think it had anything to do with California with race, but it was the same thing with the crazy lady in California who just arbitrarily decided to start cutting students' hair for no reason. So I don't know. That's a thing now. White ladies, man, we 
or having like some kind of identity crisis <laughs> or something. I don't know, but like fucking white women, I swear to God. All right, uh, let's pivot to. Uh, we got like a half hour to try to squeeze in all the crazy shit that's going on with the Trump stuff in Russia. So, um, when we weren't talking about George H.W. Bush's <laughs> life and death, um, uh, Mueller and the SDNY were dropping some some stuff. Yeah, some fu- uh, court filings. Let's, <laughs> let's start with Michael Cohen. So there were two. Uh, memos that came yesterday, one from Mueller, one from the uh, the New York Southern District of Southern New York, Southern District of New York mm-hmm. federal attorney, um, and they're very different. Um, but the Mueller one was really interesting in that it it basically calls Trump a criminal. <laughs> right, it's heavily it, redacted. It's heavily redacted, but the parts that aren't very unequivocally state that the president. In this case, he's called uh, individual, individual one. one uh, directed and oversaw uh, Michael Cohen illegally making the payments to porn stars. So this is the Stormy Daniels thing, right? Um, that's that's a crime. That's a felony. Um, that is uh, conspiracy uh, to commit uh, fraud um, in violation of of uh, campaign law. So there it is. Now that's one little thing, but. There it is. We know the president has committed a felony. Now what? Right. Let's put that aside for the moment. Um, secondarily, secondarily, he, it seems extensively cooperated with the Mueller investigation. Uh, he he did, but I don't. Or was know. that Flynn? No, he did both of them, right? Well, well, both of them did, but hold, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So. Mueller's uh, guideline and memo was that. Uh, Cohen has cooperated quite a bit, but the SDNY is like, he hasn't cooperated jack shit with us. Mm. And they're looking... That's because that's his financial crimes, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all the tax fraud and the yeah. mob stuff. Right, and he's happy to flip on Trump, but he's not talking about his taxes or his businesses. Uh, no, he's not outing the mob, the Russian mob or the New York mob, right. both of which he's very deeply tied into. That That's cement, cement shoes and you get tossed into the East River kind of shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, or you're with Jimmy Hoffa in the Meadowlands. Right. Like, you don't do that. No, it's probably smart. Yeah. So he's going to go, he's going to do quite a bit of jail time likely for that. Um, and there's nothing Mueller can do about that. So uh, that's Cohen. Uh, no, also, didn't he, I feel like when I was reading the um, heavily redacted memo from the Mueller uh, special counsel's thing, that he was interviewed 19 times. Uh, that's Flynn. Is that Flynn? Okay. I mean, Cohen has been interviewed a shitload of times too, but because um, there, there there were three, right? So we're talking about three things today. We're talking about Flynn, Cohen, and Manafort. Yeah. All three things, three things, three people had things happen, and I, I'm well, going to try really hard not to get them confused. We're still on Cohen, and I still, I'm not sure if it's this week that the revelations of the Trump Tower. Uh, I, I think that was last week that that it was revealed that right up until after the nomination, they were still trying to get the Trump Tower Moscow built. Right, right. And, and again, I tried to I tried to urge you to put yourself in a mind space alternate universe where it'd come out that Barack Obama was uh, negotiating to create the Barack Obama University Law Library in Tehran. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or China. Right. Right. And to see how that would have gone over. 
I mean, okay, so then also Cohen um, was... So SDNY claims that he was trying to criminally influence the election. So back in 2015, there people in Russia sought him out Uh to talk about political synergy, as they put it. Yes. Um, And then even up to 2017, he was having communications with both the campaign, the Trump or or not the campaign, the president, the the White House, um, the Trump organization and Russians. Yeah. Now that filing doesn't make it as clear as the Mueller filing where the Mueller filing very um, unambiguously states that the individual one directed Cohen to do these things. Right. It doesn't, it's not as explicit in that other filing. Right. It it doesn't say. So that other filing was a sentencing memo. Right. Because he's pled Mm -hmm. and he's, he, he, his, so how that works, right? We talked about this with Rattler. It's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So the prosecution provides a sentencing memo and in this case is sort of has to provide a lot of detail about why they think this sentence is appropriate based on what happened. Yeah. Right. And, and what happened uh, post his crimes and how his, um, you know, cooperation would affect that and other mitigating factors. And then the defense gets to provide their own memo that says, here's what mitigating factors we think, um, because he's turned a new leaf, and, um, <laughs> he's looking forward and his family, and blah, he, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it sort of admits his wrongdoings, but, um, you know, he's a brave patriot. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also such a philanthropist that you want to point out. Um, and so he should serve no jail time at all. His defense team says, um, the rest of them don't agree. (laughs) They're not suggesting that he have no jail time. Um, so that's the fun thing about the law and the, the legal system is that there's transparency. Mm-hmm. When you can go through all of this and it's very cloak and dagger and we don't have to tell the public anything. But when it comes to telling a judge why you should sentence somebody to a certain thing, uh, y- you got to tell them why. Well, that's why patience is the key. And I'm going to get to all that very frustrating redacted stuff, especially when we get into Manafort's file, the Manafort filings and the Flynn filings in, in just a second. Um, but uh, OK, so that's Cohen. I think we've. He's going to be sentenced on Wednesday, and the SDNY recommends a heavy prison term. Yeah, he he going to jail. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, for a hot minute. Yes. Um, unless he wants to like flip on all the mob influence in New York. (laughs) Good luck with that. But I mean, he's already pled to what he pled to, and yeah, he's gonna. It's kind of over for him. No, no. After the sentencing, you you do have, I think, up to a year to cooperate more and, and potentially reduce your sentence. I think that uh, that's fe- yeah, that's federal. So with with state, I'm not sure. I don't but know where you're getting that. No, from. no, no. I've I've read up on that. Okay. Yeah. So okay. there's still <laughs> there's still that. Okay. Um, it's you're, you're you're you've lost your leverage at that point, of course. Like if if you're gonna do that, it's best to do it beforehand. But it's Once not. Once you serve a year in jail, maybe you're like, mm. it's time to mm. it's time to talk. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's you, you know that's not un- <laughs> unprecedented. But in any event. Uh, let's move on to Flynn now. Um, this is the craziest for me. Well, it's, it's much harder to parse. Uh, there's a lot of tantalizing tea leaves to read in the Flynn stuff, but it's just tea leaves because it's, it's basically all redacted. Right. Um, but the stuff that's in there is like, holy shit. Yeah. The stuff that's in there. Did he just be like, 
rip me open and see all the things that are inside. I will tell you anything and everything that you ever wanted to know. Well, here's what we know, right? We, we know that he met with the uh, special counsel's uh, team as many as 19, 19 times. 19 times. That's uh, crazy. We know that there's pages and pages and pages of redactions. At least, what, three investigations that he contributed to, or was it two? I can't remember. <sighs> two or three. Two or three. three. One of them is completely redacted, so we have no idea what the context of it is. Nope. Um, and the other one is, uh, of course, his involvement with... Um, the Russians, right? Like the, the and, primary focus of the and being an unregistered agent on behalf of Turkey, right? Yeah, right. Um, but, but apparently, he was so helpful, a very helpful, that they are recommending no jail time. That's pretty incredible. It's insane. I mean, the number of things he must have told them, like that's um, unprecedented. I would say, in some ways, like for the stuff he's being charged with. And the stuff they know about what he's done for them to recommend. And literally, like, I feel like Mueller's just fucking with Trump. He's just like, look, Flynn was so helpful and gave us so much information and told us so many things that were so integral to our investigation that his cooperation with us merits him having a sentence of time served. He absolutely Which is, is like, that's just poking Trump. Yeah. It's just poking him to be like, we fucking know everything. Mm-hmm. We know everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> And again, a lot of it is redacted, but once he's sentenced, it can't be redacted anymore. Well, that's like you said. Not true necessarily if there's well, if, a national security, if national like security if there, implications. Or if there's yes. an, an ongoing, ongoing investigation. investigation, which there is. Right. So we won't be unredacted until Mueller's done. Yeah. Well, but, we don't know that. And that's another important point to bring up because it was earlier in the week based on the what they were anticipating in the Manafort filing. Uh, I think it was Monday, Tuesday. Everybody was running around going, "Oh, Mueller's done. He's done. He's done." And now, now we're going to see everything. And then you read, <laughs> you read the Flynn stuff. And you're like, "Oh, he ain't done." And like he's like, ta- like, "Well, we can't release all this because he's, he's a part of an additional ongoing, ongoing investigation." investigation. So, <laughs> you're like, "Oh my and god!" And that's a reminder that nobody that Mueller's team doesn't leak unless they want something leaked. And and they, maybe, they want very little leaked. Maybe the president keeps committing obstruction. Crime yeah. so much so that he's never going to be done because he's like, oh, well, now we got to go back to the. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> Here's another look at crime one. that he's committing that it relates to this, right? right. So I think. Um, that, But it, it, it's important to note that every time one of these talking heads or you see a breathless headline in Politico, sources say Mueller's doing this or that, that they don't know shit because Mueller doesn't leak. Right. Friday and, is going to be the end of the Mueller investigation. We're going to get everything. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. And their <laughs> sources, <laughs> their sources have their own agendas. A lot of their sources are from within the White House. A lot of their sources are Rudy and his minions. Uh, a lot of their sources maybe are people who used to work in in the DOJ and they do, they think they have a scoop or they think they have an inside line. And the, the reality is nobody does. Because there is no precedent for this. They, I mean, I think but, a lot of the inside yeah. DOJ sources have been useful I, I, because I they're wanna, like, this is how it works. I don't want to say there's no not, precedent. I, I think it's following a lot of beats of Watergate. It really is. But they're wrong a lot because this is unprecedented in a lot of ways because this deals with a foreign government. And that's true. That's a, a lot. I mean, it's totally different in a lot of ways. Um, but again, Mueller doesn't leak and, no. and nobody really knows, including us, which we admit all the time. We admit all the time, which we say, like, we think this might happen, but we don't fucking know because yeah. nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, and, and I know people get frustrated and be like, if it's not going to happen, it's never going to happen. And it's like, calm down. Y- you have to understand how thorough this guy is. 
and how airtight his case is going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's not just about, well, what's Congress going to do with it and what's it going to mean and, and, and what it, it's he like. He doesn't give a shit about any of that. No. Somebody tasked him with finding out what happened and that's what he's going to do. And, and he knows He doesn't give a shit who was in Congress or anything else. You asked him to do a thing and he's going to do it. Well, I think he gives a shit to a point. He understands that he, he doesn't want his work to be for naught. And in addition, he also understands that this is historic. And history is going to judge the work he's doing now. And he's not going to do anything half-assed. He's not going to rush into anything before it's ready. He's not going to... Leave any stone unturned. Stone unturned. And nothing is going to be half-baked. No. And nothing is going to be without copious, detailed evidence to support whatever he comes up with. And I think he must understand that given the current political climate and the constant constant railing about fake news and fake this and witch hunt that like it has to be unimpeachable yeah and there has to be unimpeachable and they haven't even given up yet they dragged comey back uh, to the capitol uh just yesterday to 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 try to grill him about uranium one and the clinton foundation like they just they you know they're they're gonna just keep throwing that crap against the wall as long as they can and they got a couple more weeks to do it so they're gonna get their licks in but when he releases his report however that happens it will be airtight yeah and people are assuming well he may not release a report it may just be the report is going to be in these legal filings we nobody really knows that either no no they don't know exactly what he's going to do they don't know if trump is going to get indicted or not everybody is running around and assuming trump himself is not going to be indicted i think that's a safe bet but nobody's sure of that either because it's a guideline it is not a law. It is not in the Constitution. It, it, it's a guideline based on a memo that's like 30, 40 years old. And, and Mueller could look at that and be like, that's outdated. Well, and it's not relevant to this. It's not relevant. Uh, or he could say it is relevant. And so we're going to do it this way. But we, we don't know. Nobody knows. Right. And, and they say it with such conviction. I'm walking. I'm watching this morning. And people, well, Mueller's not going to do this. And he's not going to. It's like, they don't fucking know. No, they don't. They don't have a clue. I know. They're talking about it like there's some authority on what yes. the special counsel is going to do. And it's like, no. shut up. Stop. No. Stop. I don't know. Like but, my my money would go to Trump as sitting president not being indicted, but I'm not sure of that. Right. I'm not sure of that. I wouldn't put any money on that. No, I mean I don't know. I I I would guess not. I would guess but, not, but I don't know. Depends on how fucking serious the felonies are, right? I mean not necessarily, but, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Because he knows, look, he can bring this all to the House in January or February or March or June. I mean, whenever and, 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 and with more than enough to impeach. And, and I talked about this on Twitter this morning when you want to get into the politics of it. Like, let's say Mueller does deliver a just, a just copious, jaw-dropping, astounding report that, that Trump is a criminal beyond your wildest dreams, right? Yeah. And he hands it to Congress – and, and the House moves to impeach, and then it goes to the Senate. And now the Senate has to say, we're he's a Republican, so that's fine. And yeah, poli- but then hanging on their necks, though. I mean... That's what I'm saying. Politically, everybody's running around going, oh, the Democrats better not overstep. And, you know, Susie in Dubuque cares about the price of bread, not about Trump's crimes. And mm. it's like, I, I think we're looking at this ass backwards. I think people... You know, why, why are to- Democrats <clears throat> going to be on the defensive because the Republican president is a fucking criminal? Right. That you have you have this all wrong. Well, and you need to stop. I have a theory about this mm-hmm. because of Clinton. 
right? Ken Starr took, by the way, this is a good reminder, four years. From the beginning of investigating Clinton to the time when the Starr report came out was four years. So give Mueller a fucking break. (laughs) Number two. Yeah. He was indicted for a crime, right? Yeah, what the public is like now to call a process crime. And the general opinion of everybody in the Beltway and all of the media and all of the politicians and everybody else was, oh my God, the president's done. There's people, I listen to recordings of people being like, he's out by Friday. Yeah. We have President Al Gore on Friday. Like, yeah. this report came out on Tuesday. He's done by Friday. Yeah, it's my, over. My it's dad over, thought so, right? too. Yeah. And what happened was the report was released, and the media got a hold of it, and everybody reported on it breathlessly, and the president was supposed to be out in five days, and it was a whole thing. And then they did some public polling. And at first, within the first week, his approval ratings dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. He was above where Trump is right now, by the way. <laughs> yeah, still. And then... So they were like, okay, we got to we gotta impeach, we got to impeach. And then the impeachment proceeding started, and they did more polls. And the more they went after him, the more the public was like, no, we like him. Like, well, we don't care. And I think what's yeah. happening is they're, they're hearkening back to the Clinton days where, yeah, like... Ironically, they are. Yeah. Where, like, we think the public's going to care that he committed this crime, but they actually don't. They like him better because they feel like he's being persecuted. And it's like, no, okay, it no. it wasn't about that. But it hold on. It wasn't about that. But this is not that. No. This is not that. This is not lying under oath about whether you fucked an intern. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. This is like high crimes and treason against the United States of America. This is colluding with and, a foreign government to fuck with our elections. And there's a sex scandal in there. In there. Anyway. Right. And campaign fight. I mean, this is a myriad of serious criminal actions. This but, is not like, But oh, there's well, more things, too. You had a booming economy at the time. And everything was going great. I, I fear a year from the six months, a year from now, the economy is not going to be in great shape. Agreed. That, that tide is already turning. Mm-hmm. That sugar high of crazy tax cuts is, is wearing off. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have a, just a much different universe. And, and you had a baseline before the Clinton stuff broke that his approvals were good. Yes. The, the economy was good. It was re- relative peacetime except for Bosnia. People liked him. People generally liked him. He was a well-liked president and the economy was humming along and, you know, the, there there wasn't much there. Uh, Trump is already horribly underwater to begin with. Not to mention the coverage of um, the Star Report. I was listening to, because of this, this podcast I was listening to that we talked about last week, the coverage of the Star Report was from mainstream media, NBC, ABC, Fox, all of them, right? Was Monica Lewinsky is the one who's to blame. She was a harlot. She seduced the president. How dare she do that? Look at all the trouble he's in now because of this fucking slut. Jesus Christ, yeah. she's awful. SNL did a whole piece about how oh, slutty yeah. and awful she was. Yep. The coverage in the media was not about Clinton being a predator against a 22-year-old intern. It was about how this, you know, this this harlot and came into the White House and is a homewrecker and tried to seduce the president and now she's got this dress and it was I mean yeah. it was absolutely well, outrageous. You're, and the coverage right. of this is not that at all. You're right. We're getting really sidetracked, but we will get more into the whole Clinton Lewinsky thing another time. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that when we're talking about impeachment of presidents, uh-huh. There's one that just happened. Okay. And I think the people that are in Congress were there when that happened. And I think some of them and some of the media are are wrongly trying to equate the two in their heads. And maybe it's subconsciously. I don't know. But 
No, I think it is consciously. But anyway, we only have about 10 minutes left. So let's get back to these other filings, right? Okay, so Manafort's so, is the most interesting. So Manafort's is, is really interesting. This Manafort guy, I don't know if he's crazy or he's... Starting no. like, but but he <laughs> Manafort said things and then went about and then went back and like contradicted the very things he said in some of this stuff. He's just like he loves to lie. Well, what he did was he agreed to, to cooperate. Yeah. Then he lied a lot. Yeah. They knew he was lying the whole time, and so they continued to give him some bullshit information. Which he then fed back to the White House <laughs> because they had all these other cooperating and corroborating witnesses telling yeah. them that he was lying. And they had his emails. They and had his, text his messages. they have all this information. I have his text messages. Right. So he's lying. They know he's lying. He thinks he's getting away with it. He's telling the White House like they're feeding him information. Oh well, we know this and we know that. So he's going back and telling Trump they know this, they know that. Then Trump submits his questionnaire. And then Mueller <laughs> comes out and says yeah, he violated his plea agreement. He lied this time, this time, this time. That time, he's just a fucking liar. We're withdrawing the plea agreement, mm-hmm. and we're going forward with the original charges, and he should be sentenced as such. Yes. Now, I think you and I have speculated for a very long time that he would not cooperate because he's afraid of getting fucking murdered by the Russians. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's exactly what this was. He was pretending to cooperate mm-hmm. in a further attempt to collude with the Russians in the White House. Buy himself some he time. He thought he was getting away with it because get he's a fucking idiot. And they're good at what they do. They're really good at lying. Yeah, Manafort wasn't real good at covering his tracks. He's real good huh. about crimes and financial crimes. And like this guy, Manafort, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the book on Manafort because this guy, <laughs> he, he like he seems to like to do crime for the sake of committing crime. Like it's fun. Yeah. Like, and it's very I, profitable. Well, right? some of this stuff was he really was in a lot of financial trouble. Mm-hmm. But some of this other stuff, like, is kind of chintzy with with the tax evasion that he did and the defrauding the banks about his assets to get bigger loans than he would normally get. Like, I wonder how much of that was really necessary or just because he thought he could get away with it. Because he thought he could get away with it. Like, Paul Manafort really loves crime, you guys. Yeah. He Like, he really, li- like, Lex Luthor and the Joker yeah. and, like... Yeah. He really is into And he thinks crimes. he's smarter than he is. Yes. And he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And he also has never really gotten in trouble before, even though he's been doing crime for a real long time. <laughs> so he yeah. thinks he can just get away with whatever he wants. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in trouble with Mueller Lowell. I mean, I've been working with the Russians for decades. Like, I'm not afraid of this Robert Mueller man. Yeah, I'll I've been just pro- lie to I've him. I've been propping up murderous strongmen against other murderous strongmen with bullets right. flying over my head for For decades. For you decades. think I'm afraid you of some prosecutor? Have... Yeah. Fuck him, right? Some American. Yeah. Yeah. DC fucking lawyer I'm, I'm not no scared of G-Man yeah, right yeah. and then like he just like he's just a fucking arrogant criminal piece of shit and then Mueller's just like oh okay <laughs> cool 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 yep tell the president all of this stuff and then he can perjure himself with his questionnaire and then um, I'm gonna send you to jail well that's another day. that's another aspect of this we haven't really talked about is uh, Manafort's lawyers running to Trump's lawyers with all the information. Right. That was that, the whole point. That's why Mueller ever even kept this going. He knew Manafort was lying. The only reason he kept up the facade of, oh, I need to ask you more questions. Can you come in? Up. Yes. Now, we don't have proof of this. No. But it's very strongly it, speculated it, <laughs> that this is exactly what you do, right? It, it seems to add up, right? And law enforcement, just as a reminder, 
are allowed to lie to you. Well, I want to go back to the show Billions again mm. because it's it's obviously fanciful and, yes. and it's obviously dramatized. Yes. But it, it does give you, I think, a good idea of how these really, really smart prosecutors work and how they think and these these chess games they play when mm-hmm. they've got somebody in their sights. Or when they know that somebody's doing something, that they, but they can't prove it, how they go in roundabout ways to do so. And the advantage they have. Let's think about it this way, right? Um, okay. Even, let's, let's, say, let's just pretend, this is ridiculous, but let's pretend for the sake of argument that Trump and Mueller were equal in intelligence. <laughs> But even if they were, Mueller's job all day, every day, his life right now is to find out what crimes, if any, Trump has committed and then prosecute them. And he is allowed to develop an entire team of people whose that's their only life, too. Yeah. Now, he poached from the biggest, greatest, like most prestigious big law firms in D.C. and found the best people to come. And that's all they do all day long. What Now, while Trump may be obsessed with keeping himself out of jail. <laughs> uh, that's not his life. No, he's running a country. He, well, not really. Right. He's doing that. Right. He's, <laughs> he's, t- t- he's pretending to. He's golfing and yelling on Twitter. And, and then, like, you know, for an hour a day. Acting maybe bored he, at a funeral. And then, like, Maybe going for and- an hour a day he works on this smaller thing. Yeah. So think about that for a second. Yeah. Um. The point is, and then you got Giuliani out there who's doing more harm than good. And you As know, always. I, uh, these people aren't going to outsmart Mueller and his team. No. Really and it's not, not just Mueller. We have to remember that, right? No. It's an entire team of people handpicked to, because they're the very best at what they do. Yeah. To take down the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what they're tasked with, but that is what they're tasked with, right? Well, they, they seem to have the goods to be able to do that. So, again, um, there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, There's a lot of information coming out. Um, There was more in Manafort's um, memo that was interesting. I'm trying to remember right now. But the point is uh, Manafort has has been very, very mendacious with the special prosecutor. And we – at the beginning, like with everything else that was happening – you know, we were speculated that he's probably at the end of the day really not going to fully cooperate if right. it's going to put his life in danger, right? Or his family's life in danger, right? Both, yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I, I'm sure and he you, knows exactly what their tactics are for people who betray them. Yeah, he's been working with the Russians uh, for decades. Yeah, he knows exactly what happens to people like him who actually flip. Couple of pieces of breaking news before we go. Trump is going to nominate William Barr for permanent AG. Barr was uh, going back to GHW Bush was was for a short period. Uh, GHW Bush's AG with which let everybody do a knee jerk reaction like, oh, he's just a normal guy. Like, no, he's a garbage person and he's not really far off from Whitaker and saying and believing the same shit. He's just more seasoned, more qualified, <laughs> more qualified. So less racist than Jeff Sessions, I guess. Maybe. Ish. I mean, I know it's hard to be more racist than Jeff Sessions. Yeah, maybe ish. Maybe less obsessed with pot, probably. Maybe, maybe. But he's he's a garbage person, and he he will certainly get confirmed though. He didn't think anybody should get prosecuted for Iran Contra, and 
He'll, oh yeah, he'll get confirmed. He's easily. just a party shill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's a partisan hack, and yeah. and like people like Ari Melbourne. Oh no, he's a straight shooter. This is good news. Like no, it isn't. Nope. He's a hack. No, nope. yeah. He he's a hack, and he's gonna be uh, a hack for Trump, the best to the best of his ability. How far that's gonna go, we don't know. Uh, and that's gonna about do it for us. Uh, they they hauled in Comey yesterday to try to ask him about Uranium One and whatever and. Fuck James Comey is yeah. what I say. Uh, okay. Anyway, I don't give a fuck. He's not a hero. No. He handed Trump the fucking election. So uh, but that transcript is coming out later today. So read that if you want. I'm, it's going to be absolutely pointless. I'm not doing that. But no. Uh, okay, that's going to be it for us. Any okay. closing? Anything? Not really. No. Just Add- you know, keep keep yourself sane. <laughs> Take good care of yourselves. And oh, for Christmas and all the holidays and families and stuff like, uh, if you don't get have- Rachel a. Uh, what is it? An Instapot. Travis doesn't know what an Instapot is, you guys. <laughs> the fuck? I was thinking like Instant Pot. that for Or for tea, because I drink tea. <laughs> anyway, uh, keep yourself sane. Um, remember that you're not required to see your toxic family if they're toxic. <laughs> um, if uh, you need Come like, at Friendsgiving with support, us. Yeah. Just, you're, I'm happy to talk to you about your toxic family. If you want to email me at irreverenttestimony at gmail.com, I'll give you some... Uh, some tips and uh, just some solidarity. But um, keep yourself safe and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye.